You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Abe Shapiro. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. Later in the program, the Bloomington Board of Public Works met on Friday for a public hearing on the sale of the city's police building on 3rd Street. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, better beware your weekly consumer watchdog segment here on WFHB. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. The Bloomington City Council met on Wednesday, December 6th. The meeting began with the summarization of several ordinances by Council President Sue Scambarelli. Included there is Ordinance 2329, an ordinance authorizing the acquisition, construction, and installation by the City of Bloomington, Indiana of certain extensions and improvements to the city's sewage works works utility, the issuance and sale of revenue bonds to provide funds for the payment and costs thereof, and the collection, segregation, and distribution of the revenues of such sewage works and other related matters. Also under legislation for second readings and resolutions, we'll take up Ordinance 2330, an ordinance concerning the construction of additions and improvements to the waterworks of the city of Bloomington, Indiana, the issue of revenue, issuance of res, revenue bonds to provide the costs thereof, the collection, segregation, and distribution of the revenues of said waterworks, the safeguarding of the interests of the owners of said revenue bonds, other matters connected therewith, including the issuance of notes in anticipation of bonds, and repealing ordinances inconsistent herewith. We'll then move into legislation for for first reading. There are two items included there. The first is Ordinance 2331 to amend Title II of the Bloomington Municipal Code entitled Administration and Personnel regarding amending Chapter 2.23, Community and Family Resources Department, by adding Section 2.23.240, closed captioning in places of public accommodation. Also there, also under that heading is the Appropriation Ordinance 2308 to specially appropriate from the General Fund, Economic Development Lit Fund, Parks and Recreation Fund, the Rental Inspection Program Fund, Local Road and Street Fund, Parking Facilities Fund, Cumulative Capital Development Fund, Vehicle Replacement Fund, Solid Waste Fund, and fleet maintenance fund expenditures not otherwise appropriated, appropriating various transfers of funds within the general fund, economic development lit fund, parks and recreation general fund, local road and street fund, parking facilities fund, cumulative capital development fund, solid waste fund, fleet maintenance fund, and appropriating additional funds from the rental inspection program fund and vehicle replacement fund. The main points discussed were ordinances 23-29 and 23-30. The ordinances will help repair and make improvements to the sewage and water works in Bloomington. The first ordinance would establish bonds to help finance the renovations and attempts to modernize the Dillman Wastewater Treatment Plant and the Underground River Stormwater Project. Kelson explained why the projects are necessary. 
Um, we're talking about bonds that are in the sewer utility, which includes the stormwater utility financially. So we are talking about projects for sewer and projects for stormwater. And there's a little history with this. Um, in uh, 2016, in the fall of 2016, we received a letter from the Indiana Department of Environmental Management uh, requiring that uh, we begin taking action to increase the capacity of the Dillman Road uh, wastewater treatment plant. We had exceeded 90% of rated capacity for three consecutive years at that plant, uh, so it was time. Uh, we began uh, right away working with IDEM uh, and others uh, on that effort, and we did a first round project uh, that was $23 million. Uh, that project uh, was completed a couple of years ago, uh, and it put us very close to where we needed to be, uh, but we aren't there yet. We had left a few things undone. Some of them were improvements to digesters and things like that. Um, and so now we're ready to go on to that second phase of that sewer project. Uh, unfortunately, in the meantime, we had a pandemic and a huge uh, onset of massive increases in costs. So the second part of it's gonna be more expensive than the first part was. Uh, but most importantly, when we are completed, when we have completed this uh, next round of projects at the Dillman plant, uh, our rated capacity will be increased from 15 to 19 million gallons per day. We brought the rate review for that, uh, for the sewer and the storm, uh, to the council last November, it was November 16th was the night I presented. So uh, it has taken that long <laughs> to get everything uh, approved by IDEM and make sure that we're going to actually get the rate increase that we had intended. So um, so that's the story of the, of the sewer one. Uh, the stormwater bond, uh, there have been a number of projects, uh, most famously the Big Dig back in the 1990s. Uh, we did the Hidden River project uh, here a couple of years ago, uh, and we have now replaced the entire Clear Creek Tunnel all the way from uh, from near the Von Lee all the way down to First in Washington. Uh, we have one section left, and it's basically that last portion uh, essentially from Dunn Street uh, over to Indiana, uh, and uh, 6th and Indiana is the intersection that always floods during major rain events. Uh, we have had to do uh, land acquisition and, and easement acquisition and so forth related to that. Uh, and that project, which we thought would be less expensive, turns out to be, uh, it looks like it's going to be in the 5 to $6 million range. Uh, so we have rearranged uh, the funding plans that we had for projects in the stormwater utility, and we decided we would prefer to bond for those rather than try to do it all pay as you go. Ordinance 23-29 and 23-30 passed with unanimous votes. The meeting ended with changes to the 2024 annual council legislative schedule. The next Bloomington City Council meeting will be held on Wednesday, December 13th. On Friday, the Bloomington Board of Public Works met for a public hearing on the sale of the city's police building on 3rd Street. The board voted 2 to nothing to not provide a recommendation to the city council. Corporation Council Beth Kate walked through the history behind the proposal and explained why the Board of Public Works hosted the public hearing. So really, we're here today <clears throat> as the next step in something that began back in spring of 2022 when the city uh, um, and the uh, tax council uh, passed an ED-LIT tax, uh, part of which, uh, from the city's uh, perspective, 
was going to help finance various public safety facilities improvements. And uh, with that having been done later in 2022, uh, the city council passed a bond issue uh, for up to $29.5 million to support uh, various public safety capital projects. The bond sold for just a little over $27.1 million, uh, which was more than anticipated. And then in early 2023, the city council appropriated those funds to support the projects. And uh, those projects include various um, renovations to fire stations one and three, a rebuild of fire station one, uh, a training and uh, a storage facility for fire, and the acquisition of Showers West for new public safety headquarters that would involve the moving of the Bloomington Police Department from its current headquarters located on 3rd Street into Showers West following the renovations. Um, the renovation activity is underway uh, as part of our presentation to the City Council back at the end of 2022 in conjunction with uh, discussion of the bond issue and appropriation of bond funds, um, we indicated that we would be looking for uh, proceeds from the sale of the current police headquarters to generate at least $3 million and to be able to use that money uh, as well to support public safety improvements. And so this uh, meeting is another step in that uh, uh, anticipated process of selling the police building. And so, as you know, the Board of Public Works uh, was designated by the mayor as the board to hold the required public hearing on offers received after we had published uh, notice of the property being up for sale uh, with the requisite information in that notice. And so now the board is placed to hold the public hearing to obtain the public comment uh, that President Decker was just talking about uh, and to make a recommendation to uh, the administration, which will also then go to city council on sale of the building and, uh, and, and offer uh, that uh, may be the highest and best offer. Tim Bollard, a broker at Griffin Realty, presented the offers made on the property. So we have offer number one is for $3.2 million. Um, the timeline on that is a 45-day review period plus an additional 60 days for closing, so 105 total days. Um, the contingencies, which these are very typical for commercial deals, involve inspections, uh, survey, uh, title search, and um, Exhibit B documentation. That's a list of another you know, 15 different documents that they're going to be requiring um, from the city to go through to verify as part of their contingencies. And then they provided leaseback terms, which was highlighted in the listing itself, knowing that we need at least a one-year leaseback minimum. They're willing to offer 10% of the sale price plus closing costs. So as of right now, with a $3.2 million offer, their lease back would be $320,000 per year, triple net, which would mean the city would be also responsible for taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance plus utilities. That's offer number one. Um, offer number two is for $4.4 million. Uh, the timeline on that is a 60-day review period plus additional 30 days. Uh, for closing, so 90 days total. Uh, contingencies there involve inspections, survey, financing, uh, title, and a feasibility study. 
And that group is offering leaseback terms of up to two years at $420,000 a year, triple net as well, which is, again, that's common practice where the city pays taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance plus utilities. Um, but it also has a clause that the city may terminate the lease with six months notice. So as soon as a new building would be ready, um, they would give notice to these this buyer group and they would be able to um, break out of the lease. So it provides basically flexibility for whenever the new facility would be ready. Um, offer number three is 4.85 million. It's a 120 day review period plus an additional 245 days for approval. Um, there, it's based on approval for a 475 bedroom development. Um, they're willing to offer an additional year for the, the police to stay there, um, with, but the closing is contingent on, upon the building being vacated. Uh, the rest of their contingencies are inspection survey, financing title, feasibility, and again, they want a guaranteed full approval um, of a 475 bedroom development, and they are offering no leaseback terms. They're basically saying, we're just going to continue to extend the closing until they're ready to vacate. So uh, those, that's kind of the overview. Board President Kyla Cox-Deckard asked for clarification on whether the interested parties expressed how they planned to use the building. Bollard explained the planned use for each offer. In offer number uh, three, it clearly states the intended use of the property. Right. Uh, the other two offers don't appear to clearly state it in their offer. One of them, I, I think it's sort of implied that mm -hmm. it might be housing based sure. on the name of the company. Mm -hmm. um, but I was curious, did either of the other two describe their planned use for the building? Because I think that's part of what we're yeah. supposed to think about as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So offer number one is a student housing group out of Chicago. So um, their intention on that is multifamily student housing development. So one in three, that's where they're coming from. Um, offer number two is open to a, kind of a variety on the development. They could do um, multifamily, but also condo development, also a hotel uh, type of hybrid, if possible. So um, yeah, that's where offer two is more open to kind of a diversified uh, development for the site. Bollard then provided Griffin Realty's recommendation to the board. Looking at offer number two in particular, that's what we've zeroed in on. They're basically offering 4.4, um, which we know is on the highest end of what the appraisals were. So uh, that's also offering the flexibility of a leaseback, and they're also not including zoning, a zoning contingency, which the other two are. So the zoning contingency on the other two is their assurance that they're going to be able to get the student housing, multifamily housing development that they want. Um, offer number two doesn't have that as a contingency. So we believe that's that's a big factor taken off the table um, that's, uh, going, that's beneficial for the city. Uh, also with offer number two, the leaseback terms, uh, the 420,000, that's the going market rate um, for, in terms of price per square foot for a downtown building. Um, so we believe that's those are good market terms. And again, they're also flexible on the termination of the lease. So they're willing to work with the city if the project moves forward more quickly or goes a little slower. They're willing to work with the city in terms of the relocation um, of everyone in terms of ending the lease. 
So uh, offer number three obviously has the highest price. Uh, however, without lease, a leaseback contingency, that really puts the city in a bind. Obviously, they would need to close on the property to use the proceeds for the, for the project going forward for the showers development. So this group isn't willing to offer that. So to us, you know, that's a major kind of detriment to that offer, even though it's for a higher amount. Um, the other caveat with a higher offer, um, knowing that the appraisals came in at 4.4, an offer of 4.85 is great, but it still has to appraise out before it closes. So if they were to accept a 4.85 offer, but the appraisal comes back again at 4.4, well, the offer still is, is going to be 4.4. Um, or if it came back at 4.5, the offer would be 4.5. So it's a higher number, but the assurances of the second offer are that we know it already meets the appraisal number that we have before us. So that's to us a vote of confidence. Um, so the overall offer number two um, has the best terms, um, the best leaseback terms, and um, really the, the shortest due diligence timeframe, and that would be our recommendation. During public comment, senior police officer Paul Post criticized what he called a lack of transparency in the process of the sale. He said he opposed the proposed move to the Showers building. We have been very opposed to the Showers West project as a whole, and this is one part of that, so we wanted to come and lend our, uh, our voice to this as well. Um, President Deckard, I think you hit the nail on the head with your observation about the lack of transparency that's taken place. Uh, this should have been discussed with this deed restriction a year ago. This should have been brought forth to everyone uh, that was involved in the project that, um, you know, there was a potential there for legal action that looms over all this. And so I, I, that's been a complaint that we've had uh, throughout this uh, as we've asked for information about, you know, one, the construction, and two, about what, you know, costs are going to be is the lack of clear communication and transparency. And uh, again, we'd, we'd ask you to say no to this, uh, wait for it. There's no reason to rush into it at this point. We've said that all along that we want to make the best project that we can. If Showers West is going to be that, we need to take time to do the full due diligence. Fiscal you know, information needs to be looked at. And, and obviously now with this new legal wrinkle that's come up uh, with the sale of this property, we'd like to address that as well. So again, thank you for your time. Uh, we appreciate the conversation today. Local resident David Sabal also gave public comment, saying he doesn't approve of the process. When the city council talked about the police moving to Showers West, I came to that meeting and argued vigorously against it. First of all, it's landlocked. When this was built, the parking lot over there, the street was calmed, so we had calm traffic going through because people were parked over there and walked over here. And traffic calming is very important. Um, to, I, I don't think the police should be in Showers West. But also to, to talk about selling the current building before any final decisions have made, been made, I think is um, irresponsible. I think the deed restriction that has recently become known that I understand you didn't know about it, certainly the public didn't know about it. Um, just what we need is some more legal battles to spend a little more money. So I think it is um, incumbent upon you, um, you don't decide the sale, that's the city council. Unfortunately, I can't be here Wednesday night because I have a previous commitment. 
but I'll send an email to them and tell them what my opinion is. But I think you got to slow down this process, and slowing down the process, I think, is, 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 is your job. So I, I hope you slow it down. I hope you um, stop the process. I think it's, again, irresponsible to talk about selling the current police building, which is very functional. And also, you know, police can get out very quickly in all directions. Back here, they can't. So please, I hope you uh, slow the process down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, the Bloomington Board of Public Works voted two to zero to not provide a recommendation. The Bloomington City Council has a resolution authorizing the sale of the property on their agenda for their meeting tonight at 6.30 p.m. Up next, Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. I spent a lot of time trying to think up a good way to begin this week. And now, the Christmas can-can. But I just can't say it better than Straight No Chaser did. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Christmas songs you love to hear. Thoughts of joy and hope and cheer, but mostly shopping, shopping, shopping. shopping. Christmas, Christmas time is here. The <laughs> yes, tis the season to do a lot of shopping. And while you're putting on your Santa Claus outfit, there are thousands of con artists out there climbing into Grinch suits. AARP, the Better Business Bureau, and the Federal Trade Commission all agree on the five most dangerous holiday scams. They are fake shipping notices, online shipping swindles, gift card scams, phony holiday jobs, and bogus charities. Let's review the ways to stay safe. Make a list and check it twice, or as many times as it takes. Keep track of everything you buy, especially if you order something to be delivered. You can get a text or an email or even a letter or a phone call saying there's a delivery problem, and watch out. It may look like it comes from a shipper like UPS or FedEx or a retailer like Amazon or Target. Double-check any email or text to see who really sent them. If it's something you didn't order, do not assume it's a gift from someone else. Never click a link, go directly to the real website and ask. Know for sure where you're shopping online. It's all too easy for scammers to create a fake website that looks just like the one you wanted and works like it too, except that they take your money and don't send anything. Type in the web address, don't click a link, and watch for the locked padlock icon and the HTTPS that tells you it's a secure site. Be very careful buying gift cards. Only buy them from the store where they're going to be used. And if you want to check the balance, go directly to that store. Never use third parties. If you're buying them in person, 
double-check the packaging to make sure it hasn't been tampered with, and especially that the PIN number isn't exposed. Never pay money to get a temporary holiday job. Don't do any kind of work before you get hired, either. Be suspicious of anybody who will hire you without an interview or who offers fabulous pay for simple work. Any job that sounds too good to be true probably is. And before you give to any charity, check them out at charitynavigator.org or charitywatch.org. And if you ever have any doubts about any website, do a search for that business followed by complaints or reviews or scam. Stay safe and have a happy holiday. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems, encouraging independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Abe Shapiro, Live and Learn. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe now to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Hearabouts. Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. 
feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local longer.